Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's season two, episode 19, starring the witty, urbane Englishman, Peter Sellers. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as we are every week, to discuss another episode of the Muppet Show. How are we both doing? <laughs> Fine, although I can't believe I've watched this episode of television twice. I know, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, this is going to be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just... A discussion. <laughs> yeah, the more and more this episode went on, the more I was like, oh, I am not looking forward to recording this tomorrow not to uh show my hand too early but i realized on the second watch that it genuinely made me extremely anxious watching this and my heart rate was literally up and i did feel like kermit like i was like i am as frazzled as kermit i need to sit in a corner and sing being green like this is Uh, is not a fun episode of television to engage with in 2022 yeah, well, maybe we can just uh, <laughs> increase our level of uh, going off on tangents this week rather than uh, rather than to dig into this, uh, well, let's call a spade a spade, racism. Uh, just <laughs> Emma, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. You know, I had like a, a ginger shot this morning, so I'm very peppy right now. Ooh. Ooh. Where'd you get a ginger shot from? Oh, I just bought it because I just was like, why not? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. What they just sell a nose in in our village? Now. No, in Waitrose. Oh. <laughs> okay. Fair I wondered if like... you'd been down the organic farm. Oh no. <laughs> We've never been into that. You've never farm. been. Oh, it's great. <laughs> They've they have like a little pumpkin patch there, which I've seen oh, pictures of from little. It's enormous these days, and they charge to go in, which they never used to when we were smaller. <laughs> Look, pumpkins cost money. (laughs) (laughs) I think this year they made a Paddington bear out of um, the pumpkins, which like, yeah, it's quite cute. My parents invited me and I was like, I'm not coming home just to go into a pumpkin patch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, love you, but no. I'm not too bad actually I've had a bit of a well as you know I was having a bit of a to-do what I was trying to like set up for this morning I seem to have misplaced both my laptop charger and uh the little lightning mm-hmm. connector Adapter, cable that yeah. lets me actually plug my microphone in so uh that's a bit frantic and Peter and I need to get like a lot of life admin done today so <laughs> I was like I was doing I don't know if you guys are the same but sort of was making a deal with Peter being like if I load the washing machine and do the vacuuming can you unload the washing machine and do the dusting while I do a podcast and then we'll go to the gym so it's sort of like just trying to like put all these little pieces in place while also not wanting to do all the bits that I really don't like I hate unloading the washing machine there is something that I find so grim about having to take clothes out of the washing machine and onto our little clothes horse that I'm just like 
this is not my life. <laughs> like, I'm just like, really annoying. Whereas vacuuming, plug a podcast in and I'm just like bopping around being like Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> like, I'm fine. You got a, a cheeky gin on the go as well. <laughs> Do you know what? We, I've had to go off the gin. I had it at a friend's, um, we were at a friend's for dinner last week and I just had one gin and tonic and there, I don't know what it was, like something in the gin really set me off and I was sneezing like over and over again. Oh. And I, yeah, so now I'm thinking I might have to step back from gin slightly. It wasn't the tonic, was it? Oh, it could be the tonic. I'll do a test. Yeah, do <laughs> a test. Get some gin now and see what happens. Let <laughs> me so just do a shot of gin at 10, 10.30 in the morning on a Sunday. Just Keep a diary. Full on like, Princess 12, Margaret vibes. I feel okay. 12.35, I <laughs> yeah. don't feel okay. Yeah, exactly. At you. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how relevant any uh, the crown conversation would be by the time this episode comes out in about three weeks. But uh, whew, what a bad season of television that was! <laughs> it's, it's not good. <laughs> they were always unsubtle with their metaphors, but this year they're really like, "You're a boat." Like, I mean, the boat is tired, but it needs love and attention and care. But it stands for something. The queen is a boat. <laughs> Windsor Castle is burning down, and so are all of your children's relationships. <laughs> the monarchy is unstable because Windsor Castle is also on fire. It's just so like slapping you round the face. It's like very GCSE drama. Like, <laughs> this means this, and this means that. <laughs> Oh, Leslie Manville's great though. Have any have either of you even cracked into it yet? I don't watch The Crown. Uh. <laughs> no, I've not seen it yet. I've there's been so many adverts yeah. for it though. All right, as much as we keep trying to step our way around <laughs> talking about the yeah. actual <laughs> main meat of the episode, uh, Jade, why don't you kick us off with some production information? I shall indeed. So this episode was originally broadcast on the 1st of January 1978. So this is our New Year's Day episode to follow Happy up. Happy New Year. Wow. <laughs> to follow up from Julie Andrews' Christmas Day episode, which, I mean, that is coming into 1978 with like an absolute clonk isn't it that's like <laughs> a, a real clonk yeah i i cannot imagine watching this hungover on new year's day <laughs> like i can't think of anything worse you'll probably frankly. think you're in like a fever dream or something <laughs> anyway yeah, it helps i watched this slightly drunk so that, <laughs> probably was, uh, that is definitely a slightly better way to go about it yeah anyway, just to just to finish up the production information it was written by jerry jewel joseph a bailey jim henson and don hinckley and directed by Peter Harris. And Emma, what gems can you mine here about Peter Sellers? Because there's not a lot in this episode to uh, suggest <laughs> yes, the illustrious really career really that he not, had. No. Yeah, so um, Peter Sellers was an actor, comedian, radio, TV and film star. I suppose he's best well known for his character Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther films that he did with Blake Edwards. He first came to prominence on The Goon Show on uh, BBC Radio with Spike Milligan and Harry Seacombe. And apparently he made his debut as a child at the King's Theatre in Portsmouth. Yeah, he's from South Sea. Uh, because he, oh. comes, he comes from South Sea. Yeah. I've performed there. Where he did like a variety act. <laughs> he's been in films such as Doctor Strangelove, Casino Royale, um, The Millionaires. And he basically kind of created, let's say some interesting characters <laughs> for a looser term and he yeah he just kind of showed up in a lot of different films and tv and unfortunately he died in 1980 so only two years after his appearance 
on the Muppet Show. Oh gosh, I didn't. I don't think I actually quite realised um, when he passed away. Um, it's a real shame that this is quite a horrendous episode in so many ways because Peter Sellers is quite an iconic piece of sort of British comedy and actually British film history. Mm. It's a uh, it's a real shame that this is a uh, this is what we have as his sort of record with the Muppets. Mm, I think so. Um, I did see on his Wikipedia that he was struggling a lot with addiction and issues in the 70s. And I mm. think you can see that in this episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I also saw that on uh, Muppet Wiki, thanks Muppet Wiki, that um, he actually didn't want to do a talk spot because oh. he just didn't, at that point, he was so lost on who he actually was mm-hmm. that he couldn't just be himself when he was speaking to Kermit. And that's why we had that kind of crazy backstage business with him and Kermit where he was kind of dressed up as, well, meant to be like Queen Victoria. Whatever that was. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes, like, this screams, get me to a therapist. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. I can't be myself. I was like, Ugh. This is a cry for help if ever there was one. Yeah. I was thinking about it though and I'm kind of not surprised this is the episode we get from him because he obviously was known for doing lots of characters and if you think about his most famous characters they're not British or American. Well it's (laughs) well there's a combination isn't there like obviously we have Inspector Clouseau which now, I don't know what the cultural standing in the sort of year 2022 is for Inspector Clouseau, considering we got a Pink Panther with Steve Martin and Beyonce in, well, in the image. And actually, the Ty Burrell character in Muppets Most Wanted is not exactly a million miles off either, is it really? Yes, I agree. And, you know, in the sort of the Doctor Strange love vein and in the character we get in the, the sort of the Link sketch mm-hmm. later... Um, the kind of slightly menacing Hitler-esque German. I, there is a little part of me that's sort of like, well, all these people did live through the war. So I wonder whether they get at least maybe like a vague pass of being like, if they want to do a slightly like wacky, maniacal German. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, like, they're parodying Hitler. Do you know what I mean? So like, I think that one's a pretty like, a free a free range you know what i mean like i think we can make fun of like a crazy hitler-esque you know character i mean as soon as he sort of walked in in that sketch you're getting like his um the doctor strange love character yeah but obviously this first number we get from him which i am so um, i so don't even want to talk about it but it's i've i, I did um I've, everything i've written down is us me desperately trying to like find an offshoot conversation from it instead of having to actually talk about it before we get into that shall we just uh i just want to talk very quickly about the cold open and also the little yes Statler, yeah oh yeah absolutely and oh yeah anything that will stop us having to talk about this <laughs> that, that <number. laughs> exactly do it anything let's rewind what, what are you gonna have for lunch today like <laughs> tell me in great detail I liked that we opened with him in his Inspector Clouseau garb. It was a nice little nod. I'm guessing for whatever reason, they weren't allowed or they didn't feel like they could do an, a proper Inspector Clouseau number mm. or or sketch. But I think just having that snippet at the start, I think was a really nice touch um, because it would have been what audiences were most associating with him with at that time i'm sure i wonder if he had sort of asked that it was only a little brief appearance i don't know because from what i know of peter sellers i think he was quite an 
egotistical man, despite also having like a lot of like self doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, the two often go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it was sort of like his allowance for letting it, this sort of Inspector Clouseau character on it, as long as it was only a very brief appearance mm-hmm. rather than building an entire you know, sketch or number or whatever around it, um, sort of acquiescing to that. So then it's like, yep, we'll get it out of the way, but then I'm not doing it again. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think Gonzo was a good pairing for it too. Because Gonzo just, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he was having the time of his life. I know. I love the fact that he was holding like this tiny mirror <laughs> to like throw <laughs> the knives. <laughs> He was like, holding a little, yeah, a little compact, yeah. basically. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was really good. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to <laughs> very quickly mention Statler and Waldorf coughing and blowing the nose in time to the theme tune. Like, we are recording this in mid-November and there are so many germs and bugs going around and I was really like oh my god the Muppet show is infected as well like no (laughs) I was at a Muna gig on Friday and we had to go see them in Brighton because London was sold out and we were actually in a really small very good venue well very small venue which was good but it was like a student-y like bar kind of venue and we were surrounded by (laughs) these like young queer students and everybody was coughing and spluttering and I was like oh precious (laughs) flu like get away from me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not good <laughs> yeah and then beautiful day monster turning up behind gonzo to blow an even bigger horn and then knock him like i'm not just trying to deflect from talking about the rest of the episode but actually like the start <laughs> of the episode is fairly strong yeah i was gonna say that's probably like the strongest backstage business and gonzo <laughs> moment that we've had for a while <laughs> yeah definitely i mean the one upside I think this week is Gonzo is full yeah. wacky Gonzo. Yeah. Thanks to sort of the the sort of unleashing of that kind of energy that Peter Sellers gives uh anyway. Gonzo really sort of falls into the mode that we we know him to be. So if there is an upside to be found, yeah, you're right, Emma. It's uh, you know, Gonzo sort of going for it and getting some good material this week. Um But right. then let's but then. Um so we had a little discussion before we came on Mike. Uh, we will be using the term traveller for the rest of this discussion, but just for completism, uh, Jade, what is the name of this number? So the name of the song is A Gypsy's Violin and it's by A. Burroughs, um, who actually, they must have got another deal with uh, a publishing house because A. Burroughs also wrote When, which is the song that Rolf sings. <laughs> And he also wrote Memory Lane, which is the UK spot that uh, Gonzo sings with Rolf. <laughs> wow, they got a, a, a three for one deal. And then the other thing to note about A. Burroughs is that he's James Burroughs's dad. So cheers, Will and Grace, Seinfeld, oh, very famous wow. director, done lots of pilots of TV shows. Um, Still, yeah. still directing, even though I think he's like 80 um but yeah, yeah one of the one of the most prolific sitcom comedy yeah. particularly in front of a live studio audience yeah sitcom directors didn't he do all of fraser uh like he did he did do fraser i'm not sure if he did all of it but he did do it you just called it fraser fraser <laughs> did i say it right? you I said fraser <laughs> like, so who the, i should know i'm fraser <laughs> <laughs> yeah he definitely did some of it i'm not sure if he did all of it but he even did things like the Big Bang Theory, for instance, he did the pilot for that, and um, yeah. 
he's still working with Chuck Lorre. Like, be positive. He did. He's done some episodes of and things. Yes. Anyway, his dad wrote these songs. Um, and he wow. was also obviously in comedy, but I think predominantly more in theatre and radio. Mm. Um, and you know, just slightly older mediums than television. Basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> So it goes without saying that this is uh, racist and goes fully into the stereotypes of the traveller community. It is entirely inappropriate. Uh, he is browned up. He is wearing this kind of you know, stereotypical garb. There is a traveller ca- painted wa- like caravan on stage, which Emma did make me think about. <laughs> Do you remember Portland's Park used to have like a collection of yeah. painted caravans and i was trying to remember like did they have some like dodgy mannequins at portland's park along with yeah (laughs) like no i have not been to portland's park in a while but i do wonder what's happened there i assume that has been replaced by the peppa pig world (laughs) (laughs) it's been knocked down to make way for like daddy pig's roller coaster or something muddy puddle uh, extravaganza or something. <laughs> yeah, muddy, pu- muddy, muddy puddle log flume or something. Should I, hold on, I'm going to actually, again, we are deflecting. I'm going to look up we the map for Bolton's Park. Oh, I've, I've got at least three other places we can go rather than having to actually talk about the sketch in my notes here. Um, while you're looking up that, Peter said, why is he doing an impression of Meryl Streep in Mary Poppins Returns? Which I thought was such a great shout. But the voice he's doing is literally her being like turning turtle <laughs> my upsies from my topsies and my gypsies and my bloopsies it's like what are we doing here how long is this <laughs> hold on so you go we, we used to go around that way oh god this this is wild i haven't been to polton's park in a very very long time but let me tell you it has changed uh oh, no. <laughs> Is there still the owl that can scare Emma? <laughs> like the, the it's a hoot hoot at Bolton's Park. I don't, have they got rid of Percy? I bet they've got rid of Percy. He's been replaced by Peppa Pig. I think it's all about Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's just a guy in a Peppa Pig outfit kicking out an owl like into the mud, like <laughs> Pepper just kicking Percy like directly into the crotch. <laughs> I think that bit that had the caravans in is Peppa Pig World now. No way, that's so funny. I think it might be like where there's Peppa's big balloon ride, the Windy Castle. Uh, Windy Castle? No idea what that is. Um, Oh, hold on. You ready for what Daddy Pig has? What does he have? Daddy Pig's Tummy Cafe. (laughs) Why is it called (laughs) Tummy Cafe? Oh, sorry. It's even worse. It's Daddy Pig's big tummy cafe the big was on daddy pig and i didn't see it to start with i kind of like the sound of daddy pig's big tummy cafe yeah, because you <laughs> like, think it's something entirely inappropriate for the children Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yes for the children big, big tummy <laughs> do they do adult evenings at, at daddy pig's big tummy cafe i'm gonna let you look that up in your own time okay <laughs> Big World After Dark, like adults only. Is there, like, is there a pleasure island to the Peppa Pig World <laughs> option? That might be a, a Grampy Rabbit Sailing Club. Uh, that's enough. Oh, yeah. 
Anyway, that's enough uh, Poulton's Park promotion for one. I was going to say, we're doing like a promotion show <laughs> rather than a podcast. Can you see, do they still have that weird Wind in the Willows diorama? No, I think that, that still... went, because I, I ask about that and I... I you ask about that? Who? Who did you ask? I have multiple very small cousins still. Oh, okay. So... Sorry, I was like, I thought you were like emailing Poulton's Park, being like, I need to know what's the stage of the Wind in the Willows she diorama. down Percy the Owl to find out. No, I'm always I'm like I I've asked about the wind in the willows. I've asked. Do you remember that bit that was like the the different nursery rhymes and you hit the button and like the spider would go up or the mouse yes. would go up the clock or whatever. I've asked about that. That's gone. Um, I think the dinosaurs are still there, which cracks me up because I'm like they looked terrible when we were kids. Like why are there still dinosaurs? Uh, but, but does that mean they still have the big slide that you get? I think in a they sack still have with? the big slide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. But yeah, I think a lot of the Daddy Pig's big sack slide. <laughs> Paltons, you're missing out on some core business here. <laughs> Just me coming into a business here going, What if we made it horny and weird? <laughs> Just <laughs> get Peppa Pig and then we just draw a little like, nose ring on <laughs> just like <laughs> just so desperately not wanting to talk about this awful racist number okay oh. I'm just gonna blast through uh, some some quick some quick thoughts on it blast through like you're riding Daddy Pig's big sax line <laughs> exactly exactly and it's all downhill uh, <laughs> the goat in the background I just kept watching that the goat because goat. I really didn't want to engage with much else but I, w- I just felt so sorry for this poor goat and it was clearly very uninterested in being involved in the in the number <laughs> there was one tiny little Muppet that was sat down on the floor who looked a bit like a mini human version or Muppety human version of Beaker I don't know if you clopped him. He had this like shock of orange hair and his facial expression was not that dissimilar to Beaker. Oh, I didn't clop that. Did you, Emma? No, I didn't. I was just, I was like Jade. I was kind of trying to look at anything else, but (laughs) I was looking at, I was like, oh, it's a real fire. There's a goat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a cobweb over there I need to dust. (laughs) Maybe Maybe I should rearrange my books. (laughs) I did write down that he was fully committed. That's about the most positive thing I can come up with this. But I think in a way that actually makes it worse. That like, yeah. the commitment to the racism is so strong. Yeah. yeah. Like in the way that Matt Lucas and David Williams used to be committed to that. Yeah. <laughs> Outwardly racist characters. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just bad. And it goes on for ages as well. And it's yeah. just sort of, yeah, relentless. Yeah question have either of you watched the i have not the robert zemeckis pinocchio live action remake no no okay because neither have i because obviously every single thing i've heard is it's terrible but i was wondering how they do the entire sort of pinocchio goes off uh to join the theater and it Mm -hmm. gets captured by that guy and i was like oh i wonder how they do that because i only watched pinocchio the animated version for the first time last year and i was like Wow, <laughs> this, these are, we are playing into some stereotypes uh, here. And I was just wondering how they did that in, uh, yeah, in, in the, the new live one. action. Yeah, in the new one, I don't know. Group, but... And I don't know how, I mean, every everything I've heard about Guillermo del Toro's 
uh, Pinocchio is great. Everyone's raving about yeah. it. But I don't know how he's done it either. Yeah. How strange that we have two oh. Pinocchio adaptions in. Like, it and then there was happens, that one last it? year with the father, please, I let me be on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the whole world to see. And it's like, who is this gay little Pinocchio just like skipping about? Who sounds like Lola Stumpy from Sex, you know, <laughs> Big Mouth. Father, please. I want to be on my own. I don't know why it happens that there's like multiple films or things of the same thing that happen at the same time. It's really, really strange. <laughs> I, uh, what a great what a great quote, Jade. I don't know why there are always multiple <laughs> things of things happening at the same no, time. No, you know what I mean. Like how, pro- how profound. Get that into sight and sound now. <laughs> like You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's just bizarre. I, I genuinely don't understand why it's always like competing projects of the same property. It's really. It... Why have we got Bugs Life and Ants? <laughs> well, no, that's just a straight up copy. But like, <laughs> you well, know, yeah, like when true. they announce like that two companies are going to do a new Little Mermaid or you know two Pinocchios or whatever. Like it's I. But then there are some people seeing sense. Like, did you see Jennifer Lawrence? Is like she said she's not going to do. Elizabeth Holmes, because she's like, Amanda Seyfried's yes. done it, and I don't need to do it. Yeah. And I was like, good for you, Jennifer Lawrence. Like, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, right, we've we've deflected enough. I think we need to move on. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I really, well, I say I liked this backstage bit. It's the start of the carnage and the chaos, which did make me feel like I was get on my way to having a panic attack. Uh, but what I did like about it was Gonzo flying past on the motorbike for no reason whatsoever, other than to add to the carnage and the chaos. I, like yeah. this is great. This is what we want from Gonzo. We just want like it doesn't have to make any sense. It just it can just be a laugh. Yeah, I really yeah. liked it. And I do think, like we said before. I think it was a bit of a wasted opportunity that they didn't use more of like Gonzo and Peter Sellers together. I think that mm. could have been like a really good like match in terms of mm-hmm. like them sort of being together in like songs and sketches. And also even the bit then when he like flies in on the motorbike, you can kind of imagine a quite a zany like Peter Sellers kind of sketch with Gonzo on a motorbike. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I yeah. just felt like it's a shame because it was was a bit random because it came from nowhere but it was kind of wasted really yeah they have the same off kilter vibe yeah Mm. and you can definitely see a sketch where you know even if peter didn't want to do a character like doing something like a you know what are they called the bombolini brothers or whoever we have whoever what are they called (laughs) zucchini brothers zucchini (laughs) bumba bumba is what they say Oh, that's it. Okay. I, I called them Bumba Look, Bumba Brothers in one episode because I forgot they were called the Zucchini that's Brothers. That's it. That's they're called the Zucchini Brothers. <laughs> Look, it's not my fault. I had to briefly work at a restaurant that was literally called Bunga Bunga. So, like, you know, like, like, I don't know. But, you know, having them as, you know, the Zucchini Brothers or some sort of equivalent in matching outfits doing, I don't know, something, you know, it just would have been so much better than... <laughs> racist songs or bizarre psychosexual uh masseuses <laughs> it was just <laughs> very strange and then to add to the madness you're right we have bunsen honeydew just appearing and disappearing like he's billy piper in season four of doctor who just being like hi <laughs> <Just> <laughs> and then bye i thought the effect of the teleporter was actually really well done mm. throughout the whole episode yeah i love had... the like bing 
when they just yeah. like appeared. It was very like 1970s sci-fi. Pop. Very bewitched, very bewitched, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was very bewitched. <laughs> just waiting for somebody to oh. wriggle their nose and <laughs> be on yeah. their way. Oh my God. The amount of time I tried to spend after seeing that terrible Nicole Kidman film trying to like. I used to be able I to do it. Do I don't it. think I can anymore. Because it's all about like actually moving your mouth, not your... For the mm. audiences, um, Lewis and Jade are currently <laughs> trying to wiggle their nose like Samantha. <laughs> like Nicole Kidman. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Elizabeth Montgomery. She can't do that anymore. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I love her, but she can't. She couldn't do that. <laughs> I'm always quite surprised by how much her face can still move. I mean... She does seem to be choosing characters where they don't have to yeah. move their face so much. But like Serene, you know. still yeah. centered, yeah. no facial yeah. expression beyond internal chaos. Yes. <laughs> Just project. Project the yeah. internal chaos onto that blank slate. <laughs> A beautiful blank yeah, slate. No. Expensive, beautiful blank slate. She looks amazing. <laughs> There's she no does. denying it. Oh. Some of the best You've work. <laughs> I assume you've both watched her, like, Vogue 73 questions. Oh, I don't think I have seen that. <laughs> oh, right. Not to No, we're not another, spending like, the rest of the podcast. control with Hubby Mark. <laughs> like, I'm not going to make you Hubby watch Mark. the whole thing. But there's a bit where she's wandering around. She's on her farm in Australia. And there's a bit where, you know, it's meant to be a pretty, like, fun, casual interview. And, and the interviewer's like, how are you feeling right now, Nicole? And she turns around. She's like pretty raw actually and you're like okay all right so this is this isn't quite the vibe we're going for nicole like but i from what i've heard she is just like a complete weirdo yeah like, i think so and i like that i like that she's like this beautiful serene elfin woman and then it's like cuckoo bananas <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'd love to meet nicole Kidd. in another universe if I got cast in the movie that I auditioned for, <laughs> the Euroslampamos one, Killing of a Sacred Deer, I could have been in scenes with Nicole Kidman. <laughs> There's a world where I'm like crazily eating spaghetti in front of Nicole Kidman. <laughs> but alas, I didn't I didn't get that part. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> should we just go on to Rolf? Emma, how did you feel about this one? The one bit of sanity in this otherwise <laughs> insane episode. We go to Rolf on the piano, who plays a lovely song called When. When the whippoorwill is singing in the forest. That's a whippoorwill. When the little brook is murmuring a tune. When the mockingbird is chirping in the wildwood. And a lonely wolf is howling at the moon When the leaves of the old oak tree start a rustling And a waterfall makes sounds like woman's tears When the whole world is filled with mother nature's noises That's the time to stuff cotton in your ears the candelabra is back with the live <laughs> flames again. 
health and safety monitor Emma is already like frantically writing down and like no 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 those candles are stubs they are about to burn out yeah was this just like a end of the week we're gonna chuck this on quickly kind of thing because like yeah I just did not understand why the candles were so low on the candelabra it was yeah I was a bit worried about it too Emma I won't lie I mean, is it like the late 70s cost of living crisis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the winter probably. of our discontent? Do you know what I mean? Like, we can't be like wasting candles on Muppets. <laughs> no, there's explosions to do that for. Yeah. yeah. But you can't heat yourself with an explosion. Well, it's been, I suppose it depends how close you get. It was quite a sweet little calm song, although at the ending was a little bit strange where he was like, stuff cotton in your ears. And it was like, okay, that's when he's talking about the sounds of Mother Nature. And then he ends with that. It's quite a strange little ending to the song. Yeah, it was. I think it's one. just meant to be like the punchline, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean it is it's another A Burroughs song, so I guess it's a it's well, this has certainly got more comedy in it than the first number. Um mm. but yeah, it's obviously meant to be a bit of a a bit of a joke. Yeah. Oh, it's so lovely watching Rolf sing and play. There's so much expression and so much movement and like I thought the puppeteering on this was mm. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Mm. And I mean maybe it's maybe I'm just clinging to it because you know what had come before was so horrendous but it was it really did feel just really lovely muppety good vibes. I really liked it. And we actually got quite a lot of Rolf in this episode which yeah is sort of a a bit of a a shining light in the darkness of the rest of it. <laughs> 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 kept emma happy um i did notice that the statler and waldorf insert after this it was shot from a different angle i don't know if you both noticed that i did not it was shot from like from our perspective looking up at the box from the right whereas we normally always see them from the left oh i see what you mean and it was from quite a low yeah. angle as well I was, I, it, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is a, this is a new angle we've not seen before, I don't think. So it'll be interesting to see. Keeping it on your toes. Yeah. be interesting to see whether we get more different Statler and Waldorf angles introduced. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think I thought, <laughs> I'd watched this after a few drinks yesterday. So I was like, maybe, maybe it was my perspective on it. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so glad to hear that that's been uh, verified by, by you as <laughs> Not just being me watching it with like one eye open. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were not seeing things. <laughs> well, you say that and then we cut to backstage and my son is bopping up all over the place. And he's meeping. He's actually meeping. Doing his little beaker meep, 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 meep. We're getting closer and closer. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was full on meeping, but it was certainly like a squeaky kind of noise, wasn't it? Like yeah. it's, it's, de- yeah, it's a it lot closer. A- yeah. Yeah, it's like one solid meep rather than... Uh, multiple yeah it's like the yeah meep, beep, beep, beep. yeah love him. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> i love him so much i really loved when he tried to hide and he like slid down his shirt and it was just his eyes poking out on the top of the collar that it was just yeah. a perfect little puppet it was so great it was so cool i love him so much <laughs> i love that he kept turning up with like trays of equipment and stuff too it's like it really is like it's the middle of an experiment that Dr. Bunsen's doing and it's almost going wrong because it's like, well, you've got a tray of equipment. Surely you shouldn't have teleported at this exact moment. Why Why have you teleported with all of this stuff? But I loved <laughs> be it. be praying for that tray of equipment compared to what he's <laughs> teleporting with later on. Yeah. <laughs> 
Please bring me back the tray. Maybe that's a scalpel and I can kill this gorilla. <laughs> just cut, if you just cut back to the teleport and Beaker's had to like slit the throat of his gorilla and it's just like, like just pouring out and he's like, me. He's just like freaking out. Bunsen's like, ooh, very good. We've managed to do it. Beaker's just traumatized holding a little scalpel. <laughs> Kermit's, yeah, growing frustration is incredibly cute in this backstage sequence. It's so seamless how the the cutting in and the cutting out of the characters appearing and disappearing, Kermit getting more and more frazzled and irate, and then every time Scooter coming in and saying that he's either talking to himself or yelling to himself, it's all really, really well done and very, very, yeah, sitcom-y, I guess. Like, it yeah. just, mm. it, it feels, it feels like a proper runner, I mean, there's not a ton of storyline, but the way that it's put together makes it feel like there's a bit more of a story there. And there's certainly progression with Kermit's character in terms of his increasing <laughs> agitation, I guess, at everything being so chaotic. Although that being said, for it to be a it's a it's the A plot. I mean, as soon as you have it's Bunsen bopping up and like appearing in the tele, you know, <laughs> it, it doesn't take a genius to go. They've invented a teleport at Muppet Labs. Do you know what I mean? It's not quite a sort no. It's not a mystery. A puzzle box mystery to no. It's like well, I guess they built a teleport, <laughs> and now we'll just see what hijinks ensue. I think it's more yeah. I guess the progression is more like with Kermit's character and leading to it's not easy being green rather than any sort yeah. of form of like. I mean, I know Kermit thinks it's a mystery, but honestly, I think Kermit's just so frazzled he hasn't worked out. He hasn't actually sat and thought about it for even ten seconds. Because yeah. when he eventually does turn up in Muppet Labs, you're like, how have you not realised that this is what's happening? But I don't think that's the point, is it? Like, the point is just that yeah. we're meant to see the frog getting a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, from a crazy frog <laughs> to a very strange backstage sketch, we've got Peter chatting to Kermit, planning a, a an impression of Queen Victoria in Bognor Regis, but he's dressed in a corset and a Viking hat and they have just a very interminable conversation and all my notes are Do we think Peter Sellers would have been hard work? And oh something something never be myself. Oh my, get to therapy, Peter Sellers. Emma, what were your thoughts on this sketch as a thing? Yeah, I just I don't know. I I kind of wrote this is wild. Like I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> There's just a lot going on. And like you say, you just watch it and you just think, I don't think Peter Sellers knows who he is anymore. Like, it's just really, it's really bizarre, to be honest. I think even like when Kermit's reacting to him, it's kind of like, okay, yep, let's just keep keep going and get to the end of this. But no, it was super, super strange. And then especially the part where he then decides to do the, soliloquy from Richard the Third and brings on those two mm. chickens and like squeezes them and it's just like yeah. oh it's just it's way too absurd and it's but it's weird that it's absurd but then like it feels incredibly truthful as well at this like in that sort of first half where Peter Sellers is insisting on being this other weird Peter Sellers character and like, oh, I can't be myself. You're like, oh, I think we're making the subtext text here, Peter. I don't know if we, I don't know if we're, uh, oh, it was, I just felt really uncomfortable. See, I actually didn't mind when it got to the, 
soliloquy and chickens part like that felt more muppet show and very very stupid and then the fact that they doubled down on it with kermit telling him he couldn't do that on the show because gonzo did it last week and then gonzo coming on and being like it died these audience are idiots yeah. they don't appreciate you know like that was I, fine i agree yeah that, was that bit yeah. when gonzo came on that bit was yeah it yeah. was good anyway got just gonzo saying it died yeah, that, <laughs> was was like, that was great <laughs> it was really good um yeah so i think like i could kind of forgive just the general absurdity and fun level of that because i feel like I feel like Peter Sellers episode at large gave me kind of like Zero Mostel, Peter Ustinov kind of vibes. But actually like this felt a lot more just like muppety and enjoyable. But yeah, I mean, 100% agree about the first part. The line where he actually says like, there used to be a me, but I had it surgically removed. That's actually like a really famous Peter Sellers quote that's said about him that he obviously was struggling yeah. And like didn't didn't really have a sense of self and had got lost in all of these different characters. So it's kind of amazing that like <laughs> he says that to Kermit and that's like something that's like still discussed about, but it's on the Muppet yeah. show. But yeah, I mean it's it is it's I think uncomfortable is a good word to describe that opening bit because you you are not on a sure footing. He just seems like a man completely on the edge that is fully losing it and i guess in a way that is kind of for me it's kind of underlined by the fact that when he actually does get into the soliloquy and is doing the comedy bit he seems a lot more certain and sure of himself and you can enjoy that but the bit before i you just don't really know what to make of it do you it's like you shouldn't be doing this you need help it's like it's like the muppet show is a party and you are kermit stuck talking to the person who is like the depressed depressed yeah. drunk yeah. and you're like how do i get out of this conversation <laughs> and you're just like oh god we met six minutes ago and i know too much about you now <laughs> and you're like oh that's terrible i'm so sorry oh god so how do you know the host <laughs> and then it's like i don't i'm a friend of a person who's here and you're like oh god like there's nobody here to rescue me <laughs> like, uh, i'm gonna go see if there's any more food at the buffet table i'll be right back i promise (laughs) run i feel like a lot of this must have come from him wanting to do it right like there's no way that this is something that the you know jerry jewel is sat there pitching being like let's discuss your multiple personality disorder and you can well i don't know unless obviously if that get sorry if that quote of his has already reached a certain level of prominence maybe the idea of writing a sketch around that idea but i don't think they would have expected quite how much melancholy (laughs) um peter sellers might have brought to it you know what i mean i think if you sort of say like oh we'll have him in a viking hat and a corset and and saying i'm gonna be queen victoria and bogner regis you can see the sort of the wackadoo kind of exuberant version of that and him being like I don't know who I am. Oh, don't worry. Um, I, there used to be me, but I had it surgically removed. Waka waka. Instead, we get a haunting monologue. <laughs> there used to be me, but I had it like surgically he's kind of like glassy eyed and a bit kind of like his is even. I feel like even his eyeline to Kermit wasn't quite right mm-hmm. a lot, and that just sort of added to this, yeah, uncomfortable tears of a clown. Mm. You know, 
kind of vibe of this. Yeah, but I think it, it kind of went even further than that because normally with that sort of thing, you're still sort of in on it. Do you know what I mean? Whereas this just felt Ooh, so yeah. sort of deep and personal that it's like, why is this being committed to something that like the why general is this being public committed to film <laughs> rather than Peter Sellers being, being committed. committed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we end with a bomb. <laughs> we end with a bomb. So we're back to we're back to Muppet territory firmly by the end. Yeah, and I think the second half of it picks up massively because of the conversation he has with Gonzo. So. It doesn't stay in that tone or register, but yeah, yeah, it's certainly a complicated viewing experience. Mm, much to consider. <laughs> the next bit I thought was so interesting because Kermit introduces the UK spot. Yeah. Which, when I first watched it, I assumed it wasn't the UK spot because we never get an introduction for the UK spot. My only thing I can think is that they knew that this was going to be the big New Year's Day episode with Peter Sellers and maybe they thought that they'd do a little something extra specifically for the UK audience because it was going to be like this big episode. Because obviously that intro would have been cut in the States and everywhere else where they Mm. didn't get the UK spot. So it's just like a little extra something. I wondered if they thought just the number was too short. Well, maybe that too. And they added a little, it's quite a fun little sketch of Kermit having to do with some gum on his flipper. It's great. I thought the puppeteering was absolutely brilliant. haven't even got the right words, but like the physicality and the sort Mm. of like that sense of gravity and stuckness. Like you really believe that he is actually stuck to the floor. It's really, really great little bit of... Physical comedy, yeah. yeah, and I also know where to begin. What I was just, what I was just thinking as well is the fact that in America they would have gone straight from that Peter Kermit dressing room into Link and Peter's oh God, sketch. Yeah. I mean, Ooh, that's kind of Jesus. intense. Whereas at least in the UK we had the little light <laughs> relief of uh, Gonzo and Roth. Uh, yeah, we got a little palate cleanser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, God Emma, that's a good point. Like that's. People must have turned off, didn't they? <laughs> but maybe people... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I suppose the sort of the Doctor Strangelove-esque character is a lot more of familiar territory for a Peter Sellers audience. So, you know, that may be a sort of like, okay, well, that last bit was weird, but th- we, th- we know what this is. <laughs> we all know a crazy Nazi when we see one, so <laughs> we're back on familiar ground now. <laughs> Just like... <laughs> I can breathe a sigh of relief. I know what they're doing now. <laughs> oh, thank God, a comedy Nazi. Oh, it's just a Nazi. <laughs> Don't worry about it. it's not a man having a crisis while wearing a corset and a viking hat (laughs) playing two chickens (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) having an existential crisis in a viking hat and a corset (laughs) just call it what it is jay just call it the edinburgh free fringe like that's (laughs) it Emma, Rolf correspondent, how did this stack up for you? Oh, I thought it was really sweet. It was a nice bit of levity, um, considering what we just saw. <laughs> and I love the fact that he, Rolf, looked around to like make sure Gonzo was ready to start playing the piano. And I love like Gonzo's little like 
shuffle and his movements and I love the fact that he does like a little bit where he moves a piano as well I thought it was quite sweet and quite cute it was I thought it was quite a nice a nice song and it was nice to see like Gonzo and uh, Rolf together um, in this Mm. bit I am strolling down memory lane without a single thing to Remember, I am strolling down memory lane without even a dying ember. Some folks remember their mothers, and others their girlfriends behind. But I am strolling. I wasn't sure on it until we got a bit more of the the wacky business of Gonzo sort of walking from, I was going to say like stage right to stage left, but you know, and then he reappears in the same place and Rolf being a bit like, and then his ability to move the entire upright piano and Rolf, that is one strong little whatever. I am, so the song is Memory Lane. It's our third A Burroughs number. Just to... By this point, we've just paid for Abe Burroughs's, I don't know, yeah. games room and or pool. <laughs> I don't know, like what we've paid for. Abe Burroughs had a lovely holiday that year. <laughs> Took the yeah. whole family to Hawaii. Um, Yeah, I agree with you, Lewis. I thought it was quite static until he started doing the sort of bobbing off stage, reappearing. And then obviously mm. there was that, the business with the piano and everything. Something I did notice straight away, following on from our conversation with Warwick that Rolf was on the other side than when he usually is. The piano was facing oh yeah, to the left rather than facing to the right. But then I think that was obviously because Gonzo was then going to push it. So um, I guess that was why they oh, yeah. set it up that way. But also I was thinking about it and... When I first, when I, my first note with that bit, I just wrote, Gonzo wheels Rolf off. And then when I watched it the second time, I was like, well, he doesn't. Because actually what's going on puppeteering wise there, that must have been actually quite hard to actually puppeteer. Because to make it look like Gonzo is just sort of pushing the piano and Rolf just mm. moves with it, like as if everything is on wheels. Like, again, for a UK spot, that's actually quite a complicated bit of... I think, puppeteering to to pull off as seamlessly as they do. And I'm also wondering if that's why at the beginning it's quite static with Gonzo in the, you know, so close to the to the camera mm. and Rolf just in the background. Because I guess they knew that there was something a bit more difficult to come. Because mm. I did notice we get either a little zoom or a track in before it happens. Like we're at one point and then mm-hmm. we do head closer and i wondered what that meant in regards to you know how they're yeah moving how they're moving. underneath yeah yeah i suppose oh i suppose if you of course if you move the f- the frame in you have to you move the piano less don't you yeah yeah you don't actually, have to move yeah. as much yeah yeah because if they kept in that wide shot you have to actually shift yeah that you have to move it further. a lot further yeah yeah but doy like perspective lewis you did film studies <laughs> like <laughs> remember any of these things <laughs> i think the other thing as well is that rolf isn't in um he's not got a light on him until right at the end and i wonder if that was another way that they made it look a bit 
Like, I wonder if they did it, first of all, with a light up and they felt like the effect wasn't as good as moving it mm. because the light literally only comes up right at the very end and he's really quite in darkness against that flat. But I think they're still using the UK sport to try things out and to, to sort of experiment with, mm. with what they can do mm. and different effects and things. But I think with this one, it's it's really effective. And yeah, it's just it's just a breath of fresh air in this <laughs> in the in the nightmare of the rest of it speaking of nightmares <laughs> chiropractor appointment with nazi <laughs> let's 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 do it let's let's go <laughs> emma thoughts concerns <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> yeah no again i was like this is absolutely wild and slightly well it is kind of insane like the whole premise of it is just weird and the whole thing with Link and the foam legs just really mm. freaked me out of it. I don't even think it's foam legs. I think it's just a pair of trousers that have nothing in, right? Oh. Like, they're just flat. Like, a bit of stuffing in them. Yeah, yeah like, there's like a bit stuffing. of stuffing in there, but oh my goodness, that was just like, <laughs> Daddy oh. Pig's light stuffing. <laughs> oh, God. So, the Peter Sellers character is named Dr. Merck de Lieber. I still can't say it. Anyway, it's like a bad... Lieber. <laughs> it's a bad translation of Dr. Strangelove. So it's oh. like Dr. Strangelove in German. Dr. Merck de Lieber. That's slightly better. No. Yeah. Sorry, I've never learned German. So I'm going to forgive myself for the bad pronunciation. Yeah, I, I think this just... I didn't hate it. And clearly you could see that Peter Sellers was ad-libbing and adding little bits in and making it his own which I kind of appreciated because I think that's that's what you want from him like you want him to bring his comedy to the show but yeah it just I suppose it it's not even uncanny valley is it it just sort of like stretches the the realms of realism within the show and like that believability of the Muppets being real characters. And I think having linked, yeah. prodded and moved around in this way, it's kind of fun when he ends up in like the pretzel shape at the end. Like he does look Twisty ridiculous. Twisty bobcat pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the whole thing with all of the dumbbells and the rolling of the legs and all of that, like, it, I don't know. I think it just sort of breaks the magic a little bit. You're right. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, in Muppets Treasure Island, where Gonzo gets put on the rack and he gets mm -hmm. stretched out. But the thing that really sells it is in the next scene where he's up on deck and his limbs are huge yeah. and long and Mr. Yeah. Tickle-esque. And so you're like, oh, wow, look at that puppeteering magic to sell the previous moment. And then, you know, he gets almost snapped up like a window blind mm -hmm. and back in place. Whereas this doesn't have any of that magic. If there had been a way that, you know, they'd roll that leg up and then he'd put it down and then he would be, you know, the puppet bent his leg in some way. So Link was like, oh, that feels much better. You'd go, oh, that's cool. Like, but when it's literally just... <laughs> For all intents and purposes, a Sue Sylvester red tracksuit with some, I don't know, <laughs> cotton stuffing in it being rolled along a dumbbell. You know, it's a bit like, okay. <laughs> I did think Jim was puppeteering Link well. Like, the second time I watched it, I was really watching how he was moving, like, his shoulders and his head and obviously the expression he was giving him. And I think Jim was trying to sell it as much as he possibly could. Mm. In a way, that was almost 
too good for the rest of the sketch if you like mm. because the fact that the legs were so unbelievable just kind of undercut the great puppeteering that was going on like mm. with the with the head and the shoulders i was curious about the choice of to bring in ostensibly his doctor strange love character of course without the the wheelchair and the and the does he have a metal hand in that as well Try to remember. I haven't watched Doctor Strange Love in a long time. No, I haven't seen it in a while either. No. But to choose that rather than say do a sketch with Inspector Clouseau, I have to think that he made that insistence because you know to have done a sketch with Inspector Clouseau in the Muppets just seems like such natural sense. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a murder mystery, you know, and Clouseau has to come and solve it or something like that. And instead mm. to to elect to bring in your creepy nazi character it's, it feels like such a choice mm. yeah i don't i'm now we're speaking about it i i feel like i might have read it in julie andrew's second book where she was saying a bit about peter sellers and obviously blake and the pink panther films and mm. i think she was saying like near the end peter was like really resistant on doing it and like being mm. inspector Clouseau. so i'm not sure if maybe this is why in this episode, like you say, we only see a very small snippet of him mm-hmm. at the beginning because mm. at this point, maybe he just kind of had enough of being that character. I don't know. No, that does make sense. I mean, yeah, the fact that he's that character is used so sparingly does imply that, definitely. But it's just very odd that then the next the next choice is, who is his next most famous character? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Nazi! <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. I, do, I still think it's a it's a fun-ish sketch. I mean, it's weird as hell. I mean, like, Peter being like, I know a good muscle when I feel one. It's Link. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> and also, I thought, like, Link's um, help was, like, quite guttural. It was a bit like, oh. <laughs> oh, at the end, when he is, like, literally howling yeah. on stage. I mean, that that is actually quite disturbing and Fossey and Kermit are just like was that meant to go like that yeah <laughs> like, like... which implies that Peter Sellers is out of control yeah. <laughs> like yeah. for the Muppet show the, like Peter Sellers is a liability they're like Christ was he meant to do that <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of them having to have some sort of crisis meeting about Peter Sellers in like Kermit's dressing room or office being like what are we gonna do he's just bending Muppets up and he keeps it keeps insisting on playing a Nazi <laughs> like having a, quite a crisis production meeting being like we should never have brought Peter Sellers here why can't we have Julie Andrews back I mean this is probably literally what they were all actually doing in Jim's office yeah. <laughs> like Jim, Frank, Jerry all just stood around being like shit what are we going oh, to do <laughs> <laughs> that Peter O'Toole is not good. Yeah. <laughs> this is meant to be our big New Year's Day episode and it's not going well. And all it's yeah, all it's got is the energy of a New Year's Day hangover yeah. <laughs> with all of the sort of regret and fear that comes with January starting all over again. They've really caught the energy of a January 1st <laughs> perfectly yeah. in this episode. Now, I mean I gotta say, I do not think this runner justifies the use of it's not that easy being green. I I don't know. It did have me feeling very frazzled. (laughs) I fully got where Kermit was coming from. Yeah. I also feel like, in a way, a bit like you said, I think they must have had some sort of 
production meeting in gym being like how do we pull this back <laughs> yeah like let's let's do a number people really know yeah oh boy uh, you may have noticed that we're not terribly well organized around here and uh, tonight i'm just barely making it i don't know sometimes it's very difficult <laughs> it's not easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer Being red or yellow or gold Or something much more colorful like that It's just... It feels because it, you shouldn't really be saying it's not that easy. Being it's like it's not that easy dealing with <laughs> dealing with a manic depressive <laughs> character actor. Like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> and I think they they sold it enough with the like because even the reason that Kermit goes on to do it, you know, Prunella and her prancing poultry being cancelled because it's the first day of duck hunting season. I mean, even that <laughs> for the Muppet show is quite like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> the act's dead! <laughs> yeah, like, we've spoken about before, like, the... It died! <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they blend the realism of these animals being killed for meat, <laughs> and then, like, it's... it's you know even that is like oh my life like it's very jarring yeah yeah i think they i think they were like we need to we need to pull this back with a with a classic that's gonna calm everyone down i do think it's interesting though because obviously the first time we saw it's not easy being green on the muppet show was the peter ustinoff episode Mm. and now we're using it for the peter sellers episode and i'm like there's a specific type of man that (laughs) demands Kermit <laughs> calms everyone down. <laughs> we know everybody's shaken by, by the presence of Peter Sellers, but don't worry, I'm going to do a beautiful ballad, you know, where I sit on a tree stump and sing with honesty and integrity and have beautiful little moments of puppeteering and everybody will feel a bit more safe while, while Peter Sellers puts him, draws his Hitler moustache on. <laughs> I did also feel a little bit unstable with this though because when it cut that first time and he was suddenly sat on a tree stump as opposed to the box I was like whoa where did that come from and then it cut again (laughs) and there was the trees and then the final time when he was like in the full forest a beautiful full forest I mean it was gorgeous it was so lovely well I mean green you know green is meant to be calming so maybe they were like let's just chuck it all in let's put (laughs) the the trees in all the green But yeah, the first time it happened, I was like, have I just, have I lost it? Like, has Kermit just teleported somewhere? Have I died? Yeah. <laughs> Is that guy dead? It died! It died! <laughs> yeah, I kind of don't want us to retread what we've said before about it's not that easy being green. It's a very cute song. And it's lovely just to hear Jim as Kermit sort of sing the number because he always imbues it with such a... It never feels saccharine. It always feels just kind of, I don't know, it hits a really fine line. And I think that's, you know, that I don't get when, for example, you know, the halfway up the stairs, which I feel falls too far into the sort of schmaltz. Whereas this mm-hmm. this and Rainbow Connection both kind of hit that level of, it's a bit melancholy, but it's optimistic, but it's so pure because it's coming out of 
the body of a beautiful little frog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's always lovely to hear it. And I think they did a really gorgeous job of staging it as well. Mm. I wasn't expecting it in this episode at all. No, me, obviously. as we swooped, as we swept it, I was like, all right, okay. But I think it was a much needed balm. <laughs> balm. <laughs> I can't even tell you, like, my heart rate was going at this episode because I think I just was like, my God, obviously the first time I watched it, I didn't know where it was going and I was just so worried about what else was coming next. And I, yeah. I did genuinely feel... Like I'd been shaken around. Like it just didn't... It was not... <laughs> You've been shook like a hysterical woman in a 1930s yeah. movie. Like, Pass me my smelling salts. <laughs> Somebody like slaps you quickly tw- twice around the face. Like once yeah. and then once with their back hand. You go, thank you. I feel much better now. <laughs> yes. Oh, I pulled myself together. <laughs> yeah. You're being hysterical. <laughs> From hysteria into I'm in the midst of a nervous breakdown. Which I think is a line from Kermit in this Muppet Lab segment. What was that gorilla? Like, that was such a strange puppet. <laughs> it didn't look like a gorilla, I didn't think. No, it just looked like a big, it looked more like a chimp. But like, yeah. a weird, yeah. horny chimp. So, apparently, the that puppet is going to come back. Although I don't think we're going to see it for a while. <laughs> and it is eventually named as Quongo. Okay. Yeah, I know. I didn't All name right. it. I don't care. <laughs> Did Peter Sellers name it? <laughs> Probably. Let's, you know. I mean, I even with this, like, I really liked that we finally got to Muppet Labs and we finally got Bunsen talking about his new teleporter and everything. But even this, like, just seemed so dicey and so unnecessary that it was like, oh, Beaker's gone to the deepest jungles of Africa and... It's like, it's so unnecessary. I don't know, I guess it's just because everything else in the episode feels so racist anyway. I'm like, why mm. Why couldn't Beaker just go, like, somewhere that doesn't have Under to be so Under the sea! Yeah, know, like, exactly. Come back with a shark on him or something, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Polton's Park! Like, so many <laughs> come options. Back, come, come back with a sad Percy the Owl. Just like, hoot, hoot. <laughs> stupid <laughs> Peppa Pig. I did enjoy Kermit at the end when... He obviously got transported back with the gorilla <laughs> and Bunsen was like, that's all for this week. And Kermit was like, you bet that's all. <laughs> really felt like he was in deep, deep trouble. Yeah, no, that was a good button to the end of that. Yeah. yeah. Still, we we still need to work out whether Muppet Labs is getting some kind of funding or if this is all just a fiction. Like, because if they've genuinely invented a teleport, like they... <laughs> They shouldn't be doing vaudeville in a failing theatre. They should be, you know, patching that. Getting the that Nobel and... Prize. <laughs> yeah, give them the MacArthur Genius yeah. Grant. <laughs> Not that, what's his name, Bruce, what's his name? Schwartz. Schwartz and his damn scary puppets. <laughs> oh, Yeah, God. Dr. Bunsen needs a MacArthur Genius Grant to uh, to bring the teleporters to the world. He does. And, and Beaker needs it so he can put himself into some kind of like protection program away from Bunsen. <laughs> Let's pay for round-the-clock security. They are obsessed with gorillas with Muppet Labs because we had that gorilla detection thing, didn't we, in season yes, one? Yes, we did. Yeah. yeah. Look, there's something funny about a gorilla. A gorilla is a good comedy uh, good comedy animal. They are a good comedy animal. I'm just not sure that this was the best use. And also the fact that the puppet didn't look like a gorilla. No, it did not. Oh, why did it have so many teeth? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, Emma, take us into this Peter Sellers number as quickly as possible so we can just 
move on. Oh, I mean, when we come to this and we've got the intro first with Fozzy and Peter and he starts doing his like winter of discontent speech and then Fozzy's literally like, yeah, we need to make this shorter. And then he just (laughs) scrunches down. And then, yeah, we go into this. There are no words for it. There's Peter and the uh, jug band and the song's called Cigarettes and Whiskey. Emma, don't you mean cigarettes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what are your guys' thoughts on this? My first words were Amish Confederates? Question mark? <laughs> yeah. And it, it took me way too long to realise that they were saying, like, cigarette wasn't a name. They were just saying cigarettes <laughs> in a kooky way. I was like, who's cigarette? Cigarette, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, on holiday. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that bit, it, you know, when Lady Gaga performs, it's like the famous clip of her doing uh, paparazzi and she goes, cigarette. <laughs> and it's just like so weird. <laughs> uh, right, sorry. You know, what is this? <laughs> What the hell is this? So it's Cigarettes and Whiskey, which is apparently a song by the Sons of the Pioneers. Mm. I have never heard of them. I'm going to assume neither of you have either. <laughs> oh, no. the Sons of the, the Pioneers. <laughs> Lewis, you don't I, need to. <laughs> I loved their, their first album, um, Trust Us and These Blankets. <laughs> <laughs> Brackets, they don't have cholera or TB on them at all. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Muppet Wiki. They reliably informed me that Peter Sellers is meant to be a Salvation Army preacher. That's the character. Well, we don't like the Salvation Army anyway, so they can do one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure he's got a fake nose on. I couldn't work out if it was that or if it was painted like a sort of, I don't know, ruddy colour. It looked bigger because I, I compared it to the, when it went to the goodbyes and I think his I think his nose is just smaller than that nose is, so I'm pretty sure okay. there was some sort of prosthetic going on. Grief. And yet he was incredibly ruddy-cheeked, but I don't know whether that was just because it was an afternoon recording and he'd had a heavy lunchtime or what, you know, like, I don't know whether that was part of the character or whether that was just Peter Sellers. (laughs) Hey, maybe he's now just drunk! (laughs) (laughs) I found this so... I don't know, I just, I genuinely hated it other than one Muppet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, just so blase, I genuinely hated this. Just <laughs> like, the staging was terrible. There were so many Boring. Muppets in the frame mm. with that enormous drum. You could yeah. barely see Peter. You could barely see the other Muppets. They were all just stood around. It was all the men. They're singing about wild, wild women. Like, it was so sexist and awful. <sighs> I just hate the term cigarettes, and it's like, I hate this kind of like, (laughs) The whole vibe of like the military Salvation Army-ness, yeah, I mean, that's just like absolutely not my thing at all. It gives me the creeps in general. And yeah, I just, I really, really hated it, quite frankly, (laughs) except, except... Did you both notice the little scene-stealing Muppet on the trumpet who was right next to Peter and who was rising up above everybody else and was going absolutely crazy at the trumpet solo near the end? That was who I was giving all of my attention to because I was like, this is this is a puppet who absolutely understands what their assignment is and is also <laughs> desperately trying to salvage something from this chaotic awfulness by giving us something to cling to. It's uh, I may be in the chorus, but damn it, I will be seen in this number. Yes, yes. And near the end, they were like, they were basically above Peter. And I was like, yes, I love it. Like, you are yeah. the star of this number. 
Oh, and George, obviously. I was just about number. to say. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I was like, oh, look, George. That was about my only takeaway from this whole number. And he looks concerned to be there. He's like, what yeah. the hell is going on? He thought he was done with showbiz. He was out. He was out of the game. And then yeah. they were like, we've got this misogynistic number we need all the men for. Can you come back? And Secret he was eats. like, sure, it's a paycheck. I guess I can come back. <laughs> I feel like that, that was... That was George. <sighs> yeah. Again, like, why is this what Peter Sellers is doing? I don't, I really, really don't understand. Oh, God. He, I don't know. The more I saw of Peter Sellers in this, the more I was like, oof, you must have been hard work. I don't know. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> bad vibes. Bad, bad vibes. vibes. Bad vibes. <laughs> I don't get why this is what the Muppet Show wants him to do either. Maybe they did not get a choice. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. I was going to say, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't, they just had to go with what they had. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't, well, Jade, you are the one who's done the most reading on the subject. Did they ever actually really talk much about the writing of an episode in regards to like how, how they're shaping it for the performer? Does the performer have much say? Because, you know, obviously we know the SNL example where it's like, the guest is actually there for the week and they're in the writer's room and then they mm-hmm. get pitched to get sketches and stuff like that. I'm just really intrigued as to what the Muppet Show process is. And yeah, how I much... think when it got on to like the second and third seasons and obviously beyond, like if the guest wanted to have more input, they could. Mm. And we'll get to it when we get to the John Cleese episode. But basically he wrote mm. the episode with them. Oh, interesting. Which isn't really surprising. Yeah. But then there's other there's other um guest stars that I've seen quotes from in the various books where they're basically like, and I guess this was especially when they got onto the later seasons, they're basically like, no, I trust you guys. You do an amazing job week in, week out. Like you write whatever and I will turn up and I will be game and I will do whatever it is you want me to do because I know... I know that you're going to do a good job, basically. I saw that Peter Sellers episode. I have total faith in you. (laughs) And I think there's also, I think like they, they did other things. Like they would obviously speak to the guest and say, is there a Muppet that you particularly want to work with, for example? Mm. And then they'd build something out from there. But equally, I think they tried to think of, I think a lot of people obviously said like Piggy or Kermit. So then they try and think of other Muppets that could work with their character. Mm. To my mind, this is maybe not happening quite at this point. Because I think this episode is a real case in point of that. Where you're like, Gonzo gets a a snippet of time with him, but not Mm. a lot. And also if you think about like, I don't know, some of the other episodes we've had recently. Where you're just like, they've not really had any time with like major Muppets. Yeah. Mm. We don't see Miss Piggy at all. No. Not and can you oh my, can you imagine Inspector Clouseau and Miss Piggy together with like the matching coats and the hats, yeah. like doing oh a little God. scene? That would have been so much fun. Yes, get Piggy in a Mac. <laughs> yeah, that would have been so much fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a weaker episode for not having any Piggy in it at all yeah. as well. Even just as a little backstage bit of business. Yeah, have them like trying to solve the theft of a diamond, and then it turns out that Piggy stole it the whole time because she wanted to turn <laughs> it into like a necklace and tiara set, you know. And it's in the Mac. Like, there you go. There's a sketch. <laughs> I don't even think it's just a sketch. Like, I mean, if he'd have been game for doing Clouseau in general, wouldn't it have been great to have a whole episode that was built around him? in character as Inspector Clouseau the whole time. Sold. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Anything but this. Anything (laughs) but this. 
Uh, is there anything we'd like to say about the goodbyes or can we just like rush through giving this really low scores and we can go home? <laughs> I just want to say I was so confused as to why he turned up as a German soldier again. Like that just literally made no sense to me. Well, <laughs> there we are. We did it. So uh, I'll be very intrigued to see how low we each score this. But first, <laughs> we must decide which MVMP most valued Muppet performer we loved the most this week. Jade... Why don't you kick us off? I'm going to give it to my cute little Salvation Army trumpeter this week because they were by far and away the most captivating and uh, <laughs> exciting thing that happened in any of Peter's numbers. And yeah, just just love a Muppet trying to steal the limelight and really committing to uh, their contribution, even if the song itself is absolutely terrible. Um, so yeah, little, little trumpeter, thank you for bringing a smile to my face in an otherwise <laughs> awful, awful number. Uh, yeah. Emma, who's your MVMP this week? I was just going to say, I thought it's, I, it's been a while since we gave it to a truly random, mm. like, one-off Muppet. But then I looked back and I was like, oh, wait, two weeks ago, I just gave it to the beaver in the Julie Andrews episode. <laughs> I think it's been a while since I gave it to a random Muppet. But yeah, that's... Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, right. I've, not, yeah. I've not done that for a while. Not since Lobster Banditos, actually, for you, Jade. Yeah, <laughs> God, so all the way ago. back to the Banditos. Oh, my good, Was mine, like, the magic trick cupboard? I feel like that was... <laughs> That's the season that one, one, even this it? season? Hang on. Uh, oh, you mean last that's season? That's how long one. since you did it. Um, yeah. Let me have a quick look. Oh, you gave it to Mary Louise, Emma. I mean, that's... I mean, but she's a bit more... She had a storyline that week. Yeah. She did. Yeah, so for this episode, just for the fact that he brought a bit of levity and calmness to it um, in the midst of all this wild craziness, it's going to go to Rolf. Oh, <laughs> just God, two Emma. little bits. <laughs> Yeah, like Any excuse. Yeah, literally. He saved this show. <laughs> Did he? Did he? No, I think he is going to be my MVP for this week and every um, week. Purely... <laughs> every single week. Um, oh, because I, I mean, I loved his two numbers. His number with Gonzo was great. And then when he did When as well. And it was just nice to see that in midst of all the like chaos. So I think for this week and this episode, my MVMP is going to be Rolf. How about you, Lewis? Um, God, who am I choosing? <laughs> like, um, I, do you know what? I, I, well, look, if Emma can give it to Rolf, I'm going to give it to Beaker because I feel... We- <laughs> I feel like we're all playing different games here or I'm playing a different game to you two. (laughs) (laughs) Look, to be fair, I've I've given it. I looked back at Beaver, chicken with cleaver. Like, you know. Oh, it's rhyming and now beaker. (laughs) Yeah. And so beaver from beaver to beaker. (laughs) Oh my God. That's the name of my autobiography. (laughs) 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 Oh, Right. (laughs) <laughs> that's enough um beaker is getting closer and closer to his perfect self so and he just popped up and he was very sweet and he's meeping more so yeah it's um i'm afraid i'm, I'm just gonna select my son for, for this week <laughs> right let's do our rankings for this week emma i'm reversing the order why don't you start us off oh i yeah this was very hard to <laughs> give it a ranking um so in the end, uh, I ended up going for four bombs out of ten. 
And to be honest, it's purely the backstage business and, you know, the <laughs> You're saying you didn't love cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> it's purely for the backstage business and being green and, you know, Rolf and Gonzo's bits and that very first, like, backstage cold opener with Gonzo and Peter being Inspector Clouseau. That's kind of like my highlights of this episode and a bit like kermit said when he was like it's all too much for me that pretty much sums up my (laughs) feeling for this uh particular episode so yeah i'm gonna score it four bombs out of ten um how about you jade yeah it was all too much for me as well i'm gonna give it three and a half out of ten cancelled prunellas And I think she made the right decision going on that duck hunt, to be honest with you. There's not that many highlights in this. Um, I really loved Wen and Memory Lane. (laughs) They were were cute. Obviously, it's always nice to see it's not easy being green. The runner was was good fun. Like you said, Lewis, it's nice to see Beaker becoming more like the Beaker we know. And Richard Hunt is just doing such a stellar job at bringing out all of his little personality quirks and yeah Yeah. just making him really cute and fun and of all of peter's bits i guess the richard the third like when he was actually doing the soliloquy with the chickens and then the little interaction with gonzo as well as obviously the the snippet of inspector clouseau yeah they were i guess they were the highlights of his trip to the muppet show because there weren't really that many others but yeah this is a it's just such a disappointing episode of television Mm. Also, like, I can't really score it highly at all because it's just so racist and awful like, <laughs> really the entire way through. Really is. Really want to underline that, okay? Like, it's just really bad. Yeah. Actually kind of amazed that Disney have even put it on Disney Plus because it's, yeah, it's it's not a good episode of television. And it's not. Also, just feel so sorry for everyone who did tune in on New Year's Day 1978. Like, Jeez. what a Imagine terrible how- way to start the year. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine having a hangover and having to listen to that bloody drum being beaten for like a minute and a half while old man puppets sing about whiskey and wild, wild women. You just wild like, woman. I'm going back to bed. Like this yeah. is not worth it. It's not worth waking up for the leftover turkey curry buffet. Like just wake me up in 1979. I think would be my. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Oh yeah, Jade. I'm following. I'm following on from you. I mean, I'm edging between like three and three and a half. Uh, I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll bring the average down. Three Nazi masseuses out of ten. <laughs> I don't think I have much more to add. It's. I think you're quite right, Jade. It's such a disappointment for somebody who, when they aren't being incredibly unsettling and you know depressed and morose and just has been an incredible comedic performer and just not bringing any of that really apart from i mean yeah it's just not good like it wasn't good then it's certainly bad now i just very disappointing so i'm just yeah three nazi masseuses out of ten right well from book burning to jade's muppet book club (laughs) corner book club uh what have you got for us this week, Jade? Uh, so this week, I'm actually going to read something from The Art of the Muppets book, which is um, the book that accompanied a exhibition that was held in the late 70s. Ooh. So it started in 1979 
at the Lincoln Center's library. Mm-hmm. And then it, it actually went on to travel around America um, and was very, very popular. So yeah, so this is The Art of the Muppets. And uh, I've double checked because there's no author listed on the book. And it basically is says it's written by the Jim Henson Associates staff. So it was a collaborative effort from from the people that worked for Jim Henson at the time. And I just thought I'd read a little bit about uh, it, this section's called entitled Fabrication. Um, so the making of the Muppets. Um, and I was kind of inspired by Link's lifeless legs uh, for this <laughs> this week because normally the puppets are so gorgeous. So I thought we'd talk about that. So today Muppet builders are constantly experimenting with fabrics and foams, testing for resiliency and flexibility, finding new ways to turn bits of America's industrial effluvia into living sculpture. In New York, Muppets headquarters, the workshop is a place where ping pong balls become frog eyes and stacks of boxes abound with labels such as noses, tongues and shapes, horns, claws, teeth, large wacky stacks and sleazy bunny fur, where turkey feathers, Teflon tubing and polyurethane foam are glued, sewn and otherwise assembled into puppets, which, in varying stages of completion, await the finishing touches of builders and costumes. In one area of the London workshop, some of Muppet's television and film production is done in England, puppet builders have become chemists, working constantly on the development of new foam compounds that will better suit their very particular requirements. If there are no set rules in Muppet making, there is a basic philosophy. A Muppet should be constructed to weigh the least, move the most, and be very strong. Here again, Muppets depart from traditional puppets. While puppets generally have had inflexible faces and a very limited range of expressions, Jim has constantly experimented with materials and mechanisms that would allow the performer a greater range of possibilities. This has led to the extensive use of polyurethane foam as the base building material. Most Muppets are either patterned or sculpted out of sheets or blocks of foam. Some are then covered with fake fur, feathers or fleece. Others are flocked, dyed and painted, or a combination of these techniques is used. The results are sometimes surprising. Several years ago, in a TV adaptation of the old folktale, The Bremen Tau Musicians, the Muppets introduced human characters with large foam rubber heads that seemed startlingly alive. One of Hollywood's leading makeup artists was immediately on the phone in a state of high excitement. It was difficult to convince him that he had not witnessed, as he insisted, some great breakthrough in the tricks of the makeup man's trade, but rather another stretching of the potential of the puppets. Interesting. Mm. That's a good book. Where did you find that? I just found it on eBay. I got it when I got the um, the other Christopher Finch book. I managed to get them both together. Um, and it's really gorgeous. It has some beautiful, beautiful pictures in it. And also in the centre. Sorry, everyone at home. I'm just going to show everyone Lewis this. It has... So there's this picture. <gasps> and then... It folds out into this like amazing collage. We love a Vanity Fair fold out. Yeah. We love a fold out. That's cool. It's really cool. It still makes me so angry that when I was in New York, I managed to select the four days that the Museum of Moving Image was not open. So I didn't get to see any of the Muppets. Oh, that is, yeah. But I might. Ghouling. Yeah. But I might have to go uh, next year. So that's the case. Muppets! (laughs) Were there any Muppets in the Academy Museum? No, not any. Oh, that's surprising. I know, I know. I was like, surely. I mean, what we really need is the Muppets hosting the Oscars. That's what we need. Yes, not Jimmy Kimmel again. 
again. Although... I will give him credit. He did give us Helen Mirren lying seductively on a speedboat, on a, on a jet ski, like that one time, which was quite funny. Like the, that image of just Helen Mirren just like lying on a jet ski like a, a game show hostess has always like <laughs> remained with me. <laughs> and just like us, we will remain with you until the end, which is now. Thank you so much for listening to Muppetational. That didn't work. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. You can contact us at hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com, and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Well, we did it. <laughs> we got through. <laughs> Who have we got next week? What's the, uh, what's the guest next week? Petula Clark, isn't it? Petula Clark. Oh, mommy. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see you when we all head downtown next week on The Muppet Show. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. We'll see you next week on another episode of Muppetational. Bye. 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 Our theme music is Pepe Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) 